I'm a saver any fan of the Thunder God's mighty Marvel mythos. UGO. Thor, Tales of Asgard. Before the hammer came the sword. Premiering on Blu-ray, DVD, and game consoles May 17th. Animated Marvel features. Complete your collection. listener to our podcast jeff and rick present unpacking the power of power pack where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol i am jeff and i am rick you're a randomer and a banterer i only bantered about being random i don't do that anymore random banter Random banter time, buddy. Talk to me. Tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. I want to say it's like a peanut butter and jelly commercial or something. Nope. What is it? It's a movie. Uh-huh. The characters' names that were in that were Tess and Dan. Tess? Oh, I, I know this, but what is it? Ocean's Eleven. That would be Danny <sighs> Ocean and Tess Ocean talking. You're a okay. liar and a thief. Okay. No, I only lied about being a thief. Yeah, I don't okay. do that anymore. Okay. Why? Okay. Why? Because Why? because we have an Ocean's Eleven bank robbery thing going on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have gotten that. I'm sorry. You've had a long day. I, it's been a long day. I'm not going to go through the entire thing again. I did that before we got on the air. I'm not going to do it yeah. with, with everybody else. It was a long day. I didn't get that much sleep last night. Work was work. And now I'm here. And it and it's my birthday. It's my birthday. It is your birthday. It's my birthday. Happy birthday. Day, my good friend Rick. Thank I'm you. wishing you all the best happiness you can possibly have on a day that has chewed you up like old chewing gum. Yeah, I, I you know, we we kind of celebrate my birthday on Monday because my wife's like, we're busy most of the rest of the week, and I'm like, I'm fine with it. She even told me I should take my day off, but no, I didn't. This is what happened. But let me let me share something with you. I, I'm gonna show you what I got on my birthday on Monday, and you're gonna be jealous, jealous, jealous. What I got for my birthday on Monday and what I finished putting together and now is just down here standing here is lego optimus prime oh uh, yeah hillary was telling me a little bit of something about that i'm like oh really lego optimus, prime. optimus prime it's a neat one it's a real neat one this thing that is, is a fun one awesome this is like 16 inches tall it's huge and yeah i've got him he's holding his plasma yeah. axe which is cool yeah. he's he's holding his gun his shooty shooty gun but he transforms this lego actually transforms it's an amazing piece of engineering those little bits of plastic going together oh yeah oh i love this thing this thing is gorgeous it's fantastic and it is (laughs) it's got some heft to it man it's got some girth yeah that is that is cool happy birthday that is a nice one he's got his uh jetpack on yeah, <laughs> there's a cosmic cube that comes with comes with a comes with a little tech spec too. Comes with the tech. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that is super cool. So yeah, that's fun. That is oh, neat. Oh, yeah. One other thing it's got too, because you know, mm-hmm. if you open up the chest, you've got the touch. You got the touch. You got the power. <laughs> yeah, it's the got matrix the matrix of leadership. The matrix of leadership in the <laughs> chest. I mean, come on, come on. What are we doing? It's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, that beautiful. That is cool. I love me some Legos. I love me some Transformers. And you combine the two, and that's just utterly amazing. Yeah, it is fantastic. I am very impressed with how they figured out how to... It's a very simple transformation, but that's okay. It works. You know, here's the deal. Sometimes just a simple transformation is nice. There are pieces that you can get, you know, Transformers you can get where you're like, well, this is going to be my day. Yeah. And just yeah. having ones that you can just kind of like knock out and just kind of like fidget with. And you're like, oh, I, I built it. I turned it into a robot, into a car and back into a robot mindlessly. Those are nice ones, honestly. Yeah. So this is a time in our lives when we have things like this. The the cool stuff from our childhood has now been reimagined as something amazing. Amazing, and we have, utterly. We have this fantastic, ridiculous thing that brings joy and happiness to <laughs> somebody who has disposable income. <laughs> and my wife is very cool for uh, yeah. getting this for me. So <laughs> that is super cool of her to do that. That is that is really, really awesome. That is I'm a little jelly. That's a neat yeah. one. That's a yeah. cool one. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I knew you would be Like jealous. I said, I like Transformers and I like Legos. That one is a neat one. When I saw this first come out, I was like, I want this. And remember back in the day, I pointed out to my wife. She says, yeah, you're not getting that. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> you're like, all right, then. That, she goes, except you're going to get it for your birthday. I got her well, something nice on her birthday, so she got me something nice on mine. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, what's funny what I got is my, my, my wife for my for her birthday because it's, it's going to be for mine. Is it going to be an uh, air fryer? No, <laughs> what'd you get her? You, you're you're kind of in the right area though. Mm-hmm. I got her a, and I'm going to keep this in. I got her a portable wet dry vacuum cleaner. <laughs> now, what's hilarious about this is we've had conversations about this before where other people will be like well that's horrible why would you do that yep. to her but i understand and know that she would be massively ecstatic for that oh loved it i didn't even wrap it i just i had brought it upstairs put it on the counter like before she made it out into the living room area she saw it she's like yay <laughs> <laughs> that was on her amazon list this was on mine this is what brings us joy. So it is. And follow that joy, follow that bliss. It's important. It really is. <laughs> and if you're doing the thing that you love and getting the things that you enjoy and derive great pleasure from, that's the most important part right there. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. How about you? You're sick. Yeah, I'm sick. There's a cold in the house or maybe two colds. It's just sick kid, sick me, sick Hillary, followed by sick kid, followed by, you know, it's, it's just the cyclical cycle of. Is somebody in the house healthy? Can anybody, do we need, we need Kleenexes, don't we? But nobody has the energy to go out and get them. Great. Yay. Being sick is the best. But luckily this morning we got up with the full knowledge that my little daughter was going to be going to school. Yeah. You're going to be staying home again today. Well, that kind of kiboshed some plans. So, (laughs) well, you know, if it gets too bad, you can always take those Christmas lights that you still have outside and just take them, spread them out to say, Help us. Yeah, just a quarantine zone. Just a, you know, <laughs> do not enter dead inside. <laughs> well, speaking of death inside, how about some zombie island? We are still on the road to Spider Island, I guess. That's what's on the cover here. But that's not important. What is important is that we are in a three-run arc where the FF and Spider-Man are battling some zombies on an island and Sinister Six is there. But I don't want to tell you this. I'm going to let Jeff tell you this in a two-sentence replay from last episode. The four adults of the Future Foundation go to the Caribbean to see what kind of shenanigans are going on on a skull-shaped volcano island that has had mysterious creatures attacking a nearby village at night. It turns out that the shenanigans are being caused by a whole slew of pirate zombies that are trying to open a gateway to the past to bring back their once-in-future king, Blackbeard, who was actually a cosplaying Ben Grimm in the past. But in reality, none of that is true because this undead horde is actually the Sinister Six who are doing some no-good things, probably for some no-good reasons. Now that the the thing dressed up as Blackbeard the Pirate is possibly the greatest thing that I have ever seen in a comic book, ever! Two-sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what her power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. You're a little sick. I'd like to give you something to help you with that sickness. You know, alcohol. So... That fixes all things. Why don't you uh, reach on in there and... Tell me what you find. A nice cold can of beer. It is Heathen Brewing Highland Charge. (laughs) A wee heavy (laughs) Scottish ale. And I say that because it actually says that on the can. That's great. Yeah, it's got lightning coming up on a background. The foreground is a Viking warrior with a a shield and a magic sword that says Death Te Macrosmale. I wouldn't say he's Viking. I'd say he's a Scottish Highlander. Yeah, he's a Highlander. Yeah, he's a, yeah. He, it's the generic fantasy kilted. Yeah, it's a Highland warrior. You're right. Especially since it says Highland Charge. So, yeah, but there's lightning and then there's in electric blue in the background. There's all sorts of other warriors that are charging with him. And that is super cool. Story time on it is, oh, this is brewed and canned by Heathen Brewing from Vancouver, Washington. Wow. Very familiar. That is super close. That's cool. Very, very cool. <laughs> yeah. Heathen Brewing, big brother to our McCabe Scottish export. This troublesome Scottish ale packs a big multi nose with light caramel and toffee notes. 
Balancing the full-on malt assault is a subtle hint of black cherry just to try and trick your taste buds. I don't know what that is. I'm just reading the ad copy there. So, yeah, we have ourselves a Scottish ale. And if it's not Scottish, it's crud. Yep. Mm. As the saying goes, you know the saying. So why would I pick something like this? There is absolutely no Scottish people in here. No. A Highland <laughs> charge of uh, cannons to the left of me, cannons to the right of me. Shot and thundered. I don't know. Uh, let's see, because there is the it's the Highland charge of the Future Foundation charging through the undead hordes to get to the electric gate, or it's all the lightning that's arcing around in the background on the can that is arcing off the time portal that's going to blow up the earth. Yeah, sounds good to me. I saw a bunch of people fighting. I saw this beer that's that had a guy fighting with lightning behind him. And I was like, that reminds me of the stuff that just happens in this book. So I thought, mm-hmm. yes. And I needed to place this beer because I bought it because it looked cool. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to fit and somewhere and it fits here perfectly. It, it reminds us of the portal. Right. It reminds us of all the people with melee weapons battling each other. It's great. And with all the weird timey-wimey stuff going on there, I mean, if somebody turns Scottish, you know, why not? I could see me a Highland a Spider-Man. Highlander <laughs> Spider-Man wearing a kilt with a broadsword and running through the glens of Macklemore or wherever. But let's see. Let's look at this beer. This is very much looking like a nut brown. Yeah, uh, hold it up to light. You can, can see some stuff through it. It's quite dark, but you can still see light and things through it. Has a nice uh, reddish brown hue going to it. It's got the maltiness. It's got the caramel. It's got the toffee. That's the smell and the taste. Wow. This is quite good. I'm just going off scent and I've got a uh, cold nose, so I'm a little muted, but yep. Malty and caramely. Yep. Caramely toffee kind of smell. Smells really good. So let's go for that taster. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. They said a subtle hint of black cherry. Mm, I'm yeah. getting that black cherry. Yeah, hit, I'm though. getting the black cherry. It's got almost a kind of like overcooked caramel toffee flavor yeah. to it. Kind of like a little burnt toffee. But not bad. But not bad. No, it's not. It's not super offensive, but it does kind of have a, a burnt caramelized taste to it. Sure. This is 10.1% ABV, 25 IBU. So it's got some alcohol in there. You can definitely taste the alcohol. It, you it can is. taste it, but it's not the overpowering taste. The overpowering taste I'm getting is that black cherry and the caramel and toffee. For me, I can really tell that there's the alcohol in there. It's a not subtle. It's like a floating waft on top of it. On like the tongue is that black cherry burnt caramel kind of flavor. And in the nose and on the roof of the palate of my mouth is very much like an alcohol haze. So it's almost like an imperial stout in those regards with that imperial kind of like boom to it. But in a subdued way. It's like a 10% Imperial stout. You expect something with Highland charge with a Scottish guy coming at you with mm-hmm. a sword is going to be subtle. Yeah. No, sir. <laughs> Not so no, much. Sir. I'm enjoying this. I like this. This is kind of up my alley. I like the sweet taste. I like the, I don't find the, the alcohol to be too overpowering. So I'm enjoying this. And I think that this is going to be a fun beer to help get me through this evening. I'm curious to see what it's going to do throughout the hour. Let's move on then. Why don't you give us some opening credits, sir? The Amazing Spider-Man issue number 660, July 2011. Fantastic Voyage Part 2 of 2. Credits. Writers. Fred Van Lente, Dan Slott. Pencilers. Mike McCone, Stefano Caselli. Inkers. Mike McCone, Stefano Caselli. Colorist. Marty Gracia. Letterer. Joe Caramanga. Editors. Ellie Pyle, Stephen Wacker. Featuring the Future Foundation, Spider-Man, Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Woman, and The Thing. Plus, the rest of the Future Foundation with Franklin Richards, Valeria Richards, Dragon Man, Turg, Bentley, Alex Power, Artie Maddox, Carly Cooper, and the Sinister Six. Oh no. Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no! What? What is it? The worst possible thing has happened! The worst possible thing! What could it possibly be? You got beer in front of you. I know. I love the beer, but Ben's Blackbeard outfit has been destroyed on the very first panel of this issue. What? No, that's not fair. No, no, no. You're right. The worst possible thing has happened. And the only thing that might cheer me up now is tights and fights. Well... You're in luck, my friend, because the fights and the tights are on, as well as the insults. Can't forget those in a friendly neighborhood book. It is really Spider-Man against the Sinister Six and a horde of zombie pirates with a terrific trio and a batch of kids. You know words are being said. 
Speaking of the kids, the youngest of the young are really trying to shut down the interdimensional portal while the adults handle the punchy punchy. But you mentioned zombie pirates, and the kids have to get in on that action. Yes, they do. And leading the charge is an apparently de-aged and depowered Alex Power, who says that he can mess up gravity a bit, and asks Franklin if he is ready for, you know what. The answer to the what of that is clobberin' time. And the why of it is, why can't anyone get a grip on Alex's power set in an age? That one is a mystery for the ages, my friend. And, speaking of ones, Spidey is going one-on-one with the chameleon. But he is struggling a little thanks to the lack of his Peter tingles. Something that would have kept him from getting knocked around by the chameleon and helped him dodge getting buried by Sandman. The Thing and Rhino are dancing a wrestling tango, a dance that Ben knows well and quickly takes out the horned Russian. Ben then complains about his easy victory, saying that Rhino used to be a bit more of a challenge. Reed and Doc Ock are tangled up, literally, but Reed is still trying to talk some sense into his fellow scientist. But this ends up being futile, as the new and improved suit with more than eight arms wraps up the rubbery reader. All of this is being watched and mocked by Mysterio, which clues Sue in that Reed is actually fighting shadows. And it is at that moment that Electro attacks and tries to be, huh, that guy. Yeah, he says something about her needing to be rescued, and she responds by reminding him that she is the most powerful member of the team. Then she knocks him out with the right cross. Crack. Baby, aka Dragon Man, is ineffectually toasting up some zombie pirates while Alex rips one in half with his gravity powers. Jeez, Alex! First bugs, now pirates! You need not be the killer of this team. Bentley is here, remember? It's okay, Rick. Well, sort of. Okay. It appears that these zombie pirates are not real pirate zombies after all. Well, duh. Yeah, well, it's because they are robots. Because of course they are. But what about the Sinister Six? Well, Spidey finally deduces something is not quite right with Sandman, as he is less sandy than normal, and he's a lot more robot-y than normal as well. Ben figured it out on his own when he decapitated Rhino and found more circuits than blood. The Thing fastball specials his new toy into and through the mech form of Doc Ock that Reed was fighting, which leaves the only two real villains, Mysterio and Chameleon, lamenting on the end of their ruse. They are also discussing the benefits of retreating when something odd happens. Sue Richards catches on fire, a la the Human Torch. And, shockingly, this is not a trick by these two tricksters. Now, hang on a second. We just found out that two-thirds of the Sinister Six are robots and that they are not really here. If they are not here, where are they? And why is it a math problem I can't solve? Oh, first of all, because you're not very good at math. And second of all, because they are definitely pulling off an Ocean's Eleven at the Baxter Building. But I would not call Octavius a stand-in for Brad Pitt. But I could see Matt Damon as Electro. Well... Now that image in my brain is going to distract me for a while. After Sandman sifts in and shuts off the alarm, Doc Ock leads the group into the FF lair, boasting about how awesome he is. Electro keeps zapping security robots, and Rhino is set to smash walls so the multi-armed scientist can get the widget to help him rule the world. It's nice to have goals. Meanwhile on Skull Island, home of the fighting power-switching people. So, roll call time! Sue seems to have the fire powers while Reed is turning invisible, and now human-looking Ben can stretch! Huh. Reed figures out that the rift behind them seems to be destabilizing and causing alternate realities to infect our world. They should probably pull the plug on that machine. Uh, huh. Hey, buddy. Have you checked out Spidey recently? No. Oh, great googly moogly. Yeah, he seems to have switched to Spider-Woman Man, complete with yellow and red suit. Well, gosh, Mickey. Pop, pow, ksh, Okay, we have a portal that is failing on aisle three. That would explain why many of the kids are being back to the future erased from time. And why Dragon Man, a baby, has become all mm, dragony. And less baby Luckily, the smartest person here, and I'm not talking about myself, 
but I am talking about Val, is currently a floating head and has previously scienced the back of Dragon Man with science stuff to break Doc Ock's science stuff. Science on, Wayne. Science on, Garth. Elastisuse stretches up to the panel since she is now holding the conch, apparently, while a rocky bobblehead reed keeps punching the dragon and Invisiben shoots force field bubbles at it. They've gone all power pack, power switcheroo, haven't they? Hey, the artist should have had Alex switching through his chameleon jump drives in the background. We've been robbed. Not the first time. And probably not the last. Sue has grabbed the science gun off the Dragon Man's dragon back and unleashed all of its science at the portal, which seems to have successfully caused it to go supercritical and about to explode. But the kids, the kids are in the blast area. Never fear. A reality-stabilized Spider-Man is here. And we learn something as he saves the children. Did you know that his webbing can successfully block exploding science? Huh. I did not know that. And that is a good fact to know. While he may have saved the kids, he had to let go of Mysterio and Chameleon. And he is not happy about this. He verbally kicks himself, cursing his small hands and inefficient skills. The rest of his team tell him to chill out, man. He saved the kids, found out the Sinister Six have reformed, and, uh, um, uh, uh, he saved the kids. Uh, Ben really just repeated what Sue said there. Anyway, they all gather up and head home. Later! And we're back in Pete's apartment for the delayed round two of Date Night with Carly. Or should we say round one of knock off all that lying, Peter? Pete is confronted with his lie, and he admits he was lying. Okay, first step done. Unfortunately, he follows that up with a mostly truth. He spins a semi-story that he does some secret work that his boss knows about, but no one else at the lab does. And he cannot tell her what that work is. That is not good enough. She needs trust. She needs commitment. And she cannot be around someone who will not share. Peter makes a comparison to how she cannot talk about certain cases that she is working on. Also, he says that when she is working on a case and doesn't have all the answers, she's really good at following her gut. And he asks her what that gut says about him. Well, darn it. It says that he is pretty good, sweet, and kind guy. Stupid gut. And it also says that she can trust him. And also that she may have made a bad, bad decision. Well, what? Did she wash Pete's lucky white hat with her red underwear? No. Maybe. But that's not important. You see, she got herself blottoed, and that went for some ink, and he's going to just hate this tattoo. <laughs> well, with that kind of preamble, yeah, he probably will. Or maybe not. You see, she was on her way to get a goblin tat, but then she realized she was not that drunk. She was just sort of drunk. So she did a bit of a switch. She got a Spidey tattoo. A little round head, one like from the spider signal, right there on her hip. But it will be weird, because Spidey is his friend, and she's his girlfriend, and, well, awkward. Oh, Carly, 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 if only you knew. I mean, really, what an ego boost for that Peter guy. Lights out, hero. Click. It's smooching time. Knock that off! Knock that off! That's gross! <laughs> According to my daughter. Icky, gross! Icky, icky, Stop icky. it! Ew! She's like, turn it off! I don't want to see kissing! Yucky, no! Yuck, 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 yuck! Ew! No. You know what? There's, there's no kissing on this cover. There's none. None, nope. none, none, none. Nope. No. Nobody. No kisses. So we got this nice cover here that's done by Stefano Caselli and Lorenzo Di Felici. And... This is FF, the Future Foundation. We've got Spidey, kind of front and center. We got the Invisible Woman, kind of, she's invisible-ish, off on the side. Reed's all stretchy and the thing's all grr and rocky. And they're in front of some buildings and it's all right. They're doing a Highland Charge on something is what they're doing. They, they are doing a Highland Charge. I mean, it's mm-hmm. good. I kind of like the art on the beer can more, really. We're going to compare. <laughs> I think the art on this is fine. Uh, it's fine. It's just not. Ben is scary looking. Ben looks like the Red Skull more than he looks yeah, like uh, Ben Grimm. I, I got to say, Ben and Reed look off. Sue's in her weird kind of invisible glowy thing. So you probably can't get too much of a grasp on her. But Ben looks really off. Reed, I don't know. Reed's got angry eyes. It's yeah. It's fine. It's just not great. Yeah. I like the creasing in Pete's thigh area of his fabric. So unstable molecule and around his waist. <laughs> unstable molecules really need to be sized to the wearer. He's in a little bit. Of, he's kind of in his big brother's costume. <laughs> hey, they are working double time. <laughs> They're working double time with acrobatic Pete going on there. 
We weren't built with spider moves involved. I mean, come on, man. No, they just got they just got Stretch Man who doesn't have any bagginess in his clothes. I think this is a Johnny Storm prank from Beyond the Grave. Yeah, yeah. Gonna get, it's like I want Pete to take my spot on the team, but I want you to give him a baggy costume. I want it to be always awkward on him. Yeah. What we got going on here? We've got continuation of last issue. We've got this weird attack going on inside the cave. There's the zombie pirate robots. You got Mysterio and Chameleon doing this weird kind of distraction for the FF. Yeah, it's smoke and mirrors. They somehow set all this up. This entire yeah, thing, this entire mirrors. like yeah. three issue run. This is, you know, part two of Fantastic Voyage, but this really picks up where that first issue with the fanta- or the FF and Spidey going out on their first mission. Well, second mission, I guess. But where they go out and go to do all these different things. This picks up where that's at. They end up on this island. And this is all a distraction for the rest of the Sinister Sticks to try to break into the Baxter building. Yeah. That's kind of what this all is about. We've done two and a half or two and a quarter issues, let's say, of a heist. Yeah. Yeah. It's a heist story. It's about Doc Ock. It seems very much too like it's Doc Ock reformed. The Sinister Six, not so much to be a team, but he's just paying them because he, they finally get into the Baxter building. He's like talking to Sam and he goes, Marco, that took 5.6 hours longer than was expected. I'm not paying you for inefficiency. So he's paying him. It seems like he's paying to have the Sinister Six get together so that he can get a gadget. He's going for a widget. A MacGuffin. Yeah, this is, I think this is part of a long-term thing that Slot's doing. I think, and I'm not completely up to date on all this amazing Spider-Man here, but I did just reread because I wanted to, or I started to at least. I read the start of the Superior Spider-Man, so I kind of know what's going on with Doc Ock then. I think this is all leading up to that. If I, This, this is one of the little pieces that's getting set in place for that, I think. Good run. Mm-hmm. I'd believe it. I know that they're setting up for Spider Island, which is a, also a fun run. And then I think after that was, yeah, the build up of Spider-Man and then he becomes superior Spider-Man. It, it probably has to do with the, the long run of uh, spoilers, auto possessing Pete's body. So, yeah. It probably has something to do with that. For quite a period of time, too. Yeah, quite a long run. It was a good run. So this is kind of just one step in a long arc with Dan Slott. And he's kind of stretching out the story for a couple pages here. It's not bad. It's kind of fun. It's neat to see them all interacting. It's something weird is going on. They got some timey-wimey alternate reality things that are kicking in. I kind of wish they were able to spend a little more time with it because it just kind of flashes by real quick. And... It's almost like there's some cool what ifs yeah. here. It's like, well, what if their powers did change? Let's do this for a little while. Like the kids were phasing in and out of reality. Val became the head in a jar. The Fantastic Four people are all swapping powers. And it's just like, oh, wow, we're swapping powers. Huh? How about that? Reality must be bleeding in. And then they look over at Spidey and they're like, oh, Spidey, do you feel okay? He had a costume change. They're all wigged out because he had a costume change. It took me a while. I really was looking at that picture really closely, and it was hard to tell if he had a costume change or if there was a bit of a sex change going on there. It was not a gender change. You could tell by looking at it. You instinctively go that way because you know what the Spider-Woman costume looks like, and you instinctively go, oh, that that's Jessica. That's, that's Spider-Woman. Very much a lady. I understand that. Is Did he transform into her? No, he did not. He just got her costume. Later on, he was Kane. And then it was fun, too, is Stereo and the Chameleon also changed forms as well. And they're, like, doing stuff. And Chameleon's like, yeah, hey, what's wrong with my voice? And it's like, well, because you look like a weird mutate creature. That's why. I almost would have liked it if he did change into Jessica. To all of a sudden change into Spider-Woman and not just be a costume change. That almost would have been cooler. That could have been really cool. In uh, Ultimate Spider-Man by Bendis, they did the Clone Wars thing. Mm -hmm. But... A clone of Peter was a female version of Peter. You know, so it was a female clone of Peter, became Jessica, became Spider-Woman. And I'm like, well, that's cool. You know, I'm like, that's a great way of handling that. I think that's really neat. So it just took a second there for what was what, what really is going on? What really is going on? Mm-hmm. I guess if you were going and doing this heist and you were talk Ock, it does make sense that you would get the people you know the most and do this. Like I said, I'm reading that Superior Spider-Man mm-hmm. run. Actually, I think I was reading something that was 
just after the Superior Spider-Man. I, I'm, I'm starting to get confused now, but I was re- just some random Spider-Man issues. And there's a bit that Doc Ock is really in looking at the different members of the Sinister Six, and he knows them, and he knows their powers, and he knows kind of how to manipulate them a bit, and what their strengths and weaknesses are, and utilizing them to accomplish a goal that's not that, that's not going to get them caught and in mm-hmm. trouble and going after somebody new. It's a little bit of acts of vengeance there too. It's we're we're going to use our powers and, and this entire distraction to get what we want without really confronting the one foe that continuously hmm. knocks us down, and that's Spider Man. So I liked it. I need to read those again. Those were some good stories. Those were some real good stories. Well, I think this all kind of leads into it and I kind of makes you want those ones too. So we do get Alex Power. Uh, once again, on his downward spiral to be the next Doctor Doom, I guess. In the weakest way possible. It really frustrated me because he's just like, I can kind of, I can kind of adjust gravity a little bit. Franklin, you're gonna do your thing, which is yell clobbering time and punch a zombie. Who cares? But it's like, <laughs> no, Alex can't just kind of mess up gravity. He is gravity. He can control all of this. This is not a big fight for Alex. He also looked like he was about ten, as opposed to his whatever, 15 or 17 or 19 or whatever it is he's supposed to be right now. Again, Alex, fluctuations abound. He got hit by the portal early and hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to like more of the art in this, but then when I start looking at some of the pictures really up close, I realize I like a lot of the background pieces. I don't like the more, the smaller line work. Uh, Going back to the picture of Peter becoming the spider woman. The reason why I had yes. to look at a lot. Yeah, you, you can tell it is him as a man, but just the way that the costume is drawn and the ambiguity there, it's like you have to do some real double, triple looking in there. And mm-hmm. it, it looks like it should be a better drawn picture. But then we're like, well, I'm confused. There's just some parts of the art that are a little lacking. And you see yeah. a few of the pieces just didn't quite land the way that I thought they would. You see Ben using Reed's powers and it looked silly it didn't look cool it looked silly and it's like oh this should be a better thing that's going on here but anytime sue was using a power it looked good reed when he was in thing form he looked ridiculous he he had a small body and he had a big bobblehead you know it was just like wow i don't think that's right i think that the thing form would kind of be the thing form yeah, tall and thin. Yeah, not munchkin-sized with a, a shopping cart for a head. Yeah. Or, if we're going to do Reed, Reed is tall and thin. Make the thing tall and thin. That would be that would be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The art in this is a little disappointing when it comes down to it. But I like the story. I, I think the story's fun. I think both these two issues, combined with the one before it, have been quite enjoyable. So, I'm happy about that. Anything else you want to say on this book? I'm still disappointed in Carly for getting a tattoo, but I'm glad she didn't get a goblin tattoo. But I couldn't remember if she had, just from the Spider-Man reading that I'd done years ago during this era, I couldn't remember if she had a tattoo or not. But I was also kind of thinking, I'm like, did she get a goblin tattoo? And did that play into the story later when anybody that had the goblin tattoo wasn't triggering like the spider sentry robots. So, so Spider-Man didn't know about crimes going on. And it was something, was Carly involved with something that didn't pick up because she had the, the goblin tat. And I really couldn't remember. And I'm like, that's an interesting story beat if that happened, but I don't remember. So <laughs> it also is one of those moments where I was a little bit like going, okay, I know these books are for all ages, but yeah. I was kind of looking at it going, that's almost a little risque there. It's just on the edge there. There's there's a lot of questions and thoughts that you can go down with that one. But best we skip over that for now. Oh yeah, it, it wasn't on the ankle. It wasn't on the shoulder. It was right uh, on the right on the front of the hip. Up on the yeah, upper, upper hip. Upper hip, yeah, right, right on the right front. It's like mm, yeah. There's there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot that we can unpack there, and we would if we were unpacking adult stuff, but we're not. We're unpacking power packs. So we got to remember that. We got to remember that. Yep. Let's back away from this. Touchy, touchy. Let's get back above the waist, shall we? (laughs) Let's do that with our final thoughts on the Gallery of Greatness. All right. Final thought time. Let's talk about some Gallery of Greatness. We still have this. Well, you know what? You know what we have? We have the Baxter Building that has now been burgled. So the Baxter Building is all cleaned out. It's all been burgled. All the art that Mm -hmm. we had up in there, it's all gone. It's been taken away. All gone. We need to fill up with some more. It's a shame. We're going to have to replace it. Yeah, we are. And and we've got to do it right now. So let's go ahead and talk about some joke stuff. Jeff, you got any joke ones you want to talk about? I do have some joke ones. 
On page 8 of Marvel Unlimited, I have one that I call Built-In Bikini Bottoms. And that is when Sue is telling uh, Reed that he's fighting a Mysterio gas and that it's not going on. And then shows her running away from the camera towards Elektra to give him a big old punch. And she has bikini bottoms built into her into her unitard. Her suit has bikini bottoms just built right there. And if you... Oh, let's look. Uh, da, 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 da. Nobody else has those. Just her. She has bikini bottoms for whatever reason. Well... She designed them, so she she did it, yeah. I think it could be because it's a very form-fitting costume, and people might be confused and go, oh, I saw this bare lady's bottom running in the comic, Jeff, and they're like, how Jeff, about we flip bikini if you don't on remind, If you don't remember, like, just a couple of seconds ago, I mentioned we were going back above the waist. Above the waist. We are a family-friendly show. If she's doing a handstand, it's above the waist. Okay, if we look um, on, and, and I don't have page numbers on here because I'm I'm evil, but we've got all of the powers being uh, switched around and stuff, and I got this picture here that I call my little boy. It's when Ben has become Stretchy Man, and he's lifting mm-hmm. up a human Reed Richards, and he goes, look at my little boy! <laughs> look at my little boy! Oh, he's so cute and adorable. What do you have for more of your joke, joke, joke stuff? My Top joke, joke, joke one is on page five, and I call it Spider Crane Kick. (laughs) It is the bottom of the page, and it is after Chameleon has been kicking him and punching him in the face because he doesn't have his Peter Tingle anymore. And Spider-Man's thinking to himself, he's like, ah, man, a simple everyday run-of-the-mill spy can be landing blows on me just because he studies some martial arts. Man, I wonder what it would be like if I learned a martial art, if only I found the right teacher. And this sets up something for the future with the Parker Institute when he becomes a billionaire. And Shang-Chi makes up a fighting style for him based on spiders, which is like, oh, you just set up a thing. That's really cool. But what cracked me up about this was because as soon as Pete was thinking about martial arts, he went right to the crane karate kid (laughs) with the crane kick because he's posed up like that. And it just cracked me up. If you look at the next page for the one I did before, we've got all this wackiness going on in the cave. And we mentioned it already where the kids start disappearing and we got Bentley and Artie that are disappearing. Well, this is Frank and his imaginary friends. Frank's talking to people. People aren't there. <laughs> yeah, they go bye-bye. Frank, you think you have friends? You don't have friends. You, you have no you friends. You don't have friends. You have, a sister who's a, you have a sister who's a floating head. Be happy you have that. <laughs> That's all you get, young man. That's all you get. Let's talk about some good art, though. I'm going to go ahead and do my backup good one. And this is when Spider-Man saves the day. He jumps in there in front of the kids, and it's just this nonsense, oh, absolute yeah. nonsense. He uses his webbing to stop the science yeah. and stuff. <laughs> but it's just, it's glorious nonsense. And like I said, it's a good splash page. The intricate stuff is not great, but it's it's not bad. It's a neat one. It was on my list. It didn't make my list because my backup good art one is on page 15 of Marvel Unlimited, and I call it Dragon Dragon Man. Yeah, this was my top one. Oh, that's your top? It's a good one. It's a really good one. Yep. You know what it is. It's Dragon Man has turned into a dragon. I called it uh, It's Dragon Time. It's Dragon Time. Yep, as a bobblehead reed is uh, riding that dragon and punching it in the head. Yep, it's a good one. Yeah, well, you've got to punch your dragon in the head to get it to fire flames where you want it to flame. Basically, I think that's the on-trigger, right? How do you train your dragon? Uh, Poorly. Yeah. So poorly it ran away. Yeah. My DreamWorks movie is called How Your Dragon Ran Away. Yeah. And then it's just an hour and a half of me going, here, dragon, 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 dragon. Your dragon ran away because it met you. Yeah, there's a little bit of that, too. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first pet that's done that. Won't be the last giant dragon lizard thing that will. What's your top one there, sir? My top one is on page 13, and I call it Susan the Human Torch. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great one. This is the second panel after a Sue has burst into flames, and it's just super cool looking. They did a really good job of wreathing yeah. this lady in fire. She's got, like, the fire circle around her. She's wreathed in flame. It looks like she's burnt all her hair off. But looks super cool. Looks really, really good. It's a great drawing of the Human Torch. Here's one thing I got to say, though, is that she's all, and I got to say this about all the FF, they are spending 
more time mm-hmm. going, look at the new power I got here. While Spider-Man's going around going, yeah. hey, guys, I'm like changing costumes every two seconds, but I'm still getting the work done. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are all like, look at my wibbly wobbly arms. How freakish. Time to call. Ben's like going, hey, Stretcho, I meant Rocky. Yeah. You're coming up with puns. And Peter's like, yeah, kind of holding it all together over here. Kind of fighting everybody. <laughs> kind of webbing an explosion. The disappearing kids are doing more than you you guys are come on literally you know what we are making fun of them we are making fun of them and that brings us to the rubber and glue moment so let's go ahead and talk about what is the best or most childish insult that we're giving to these bad superheroes (laughs) i'll do mine first and it is on page six and it's when uh rhino and the thing are having their wrestling match i love it because the rhino's all very much just like would you like to do the wrestling it has been a long time and Ben's like, yeah, this would be great, except I'd love to go read three rounds with you. But, you know, there's going to be a multiverse on the edge of explosions. So I'm going to go straight to my finisher. And he does. He just grabs him by the horn and flings him on the ground. And then then the old rock man goes, ah, for Pete's sake, that was too easy. What's the matter with you, Hornhead? Used to be a challenge. Hornhead. Hornhead's good. Used to be a challenge. Hornhead, classic. Mm-hmm. And what's the matter with you? Used to be a challenge. Classic. Awesome. I liked it. I thought it was a fun. I, I went with more of a uh, really bad insult, but I went with it anyways. It's Mysterio calling Susan a crazy witch when she's shutting down the portal. <laughs> crazy witch. You crazy witch. I mean, it's it's right on the edge of being, come on, come on. But yeah, yeah, crazy mm-hmm. witch, crazy witch. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. All right mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to go with it. What else you got? I'm expecting you to pick this one as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to be surprised, but I'm willing to bet that you did this one too. Mm-hmm. On the very first page of the comic, which is page three of Marvel Unlimited, Spider-Man going, careful, Ben, the Sinister Six aren't pushovers. Believe me, I know. Terrible dressers? Yes. Intermittent deodorant users? Double yes. But pushovers? <laughs> not. No, you know what? I did not go for that one, <laughs> amazingly enough. But I'm still on the first page, though. And it's Electro's response. Listen to the albino bug. Rockman, albino bug, yeah. Rockman. It's a one-two punch there. Rockman, yeah. Man. I mean, Double I team. like the albino albino bug too. It's it's like, hey, I'm recognizing Spider-Man's different. He's a white. He's in white costume. He's albino. Mm-hmm. I, it's good. I like. I like it. Yep. Okay. Time for Parent of the Year Award, the Reed Richards Award for Good Parenting. Good, bad, indifferent. Mm-hmm. Who was the parent that stood out the most in this issue? Jeff, who do you got? I am going to say Baby Ella Dragon Man is my actual really? good parent. Yeah, I'm going to pick Dragon Man because uh, he is protecting the kids, the you know Future Foundation kids. He is. He even says, he's like, I am a avowed pacifist, but I will not let... These zombie pirates hurt my wards, these charges of mine, these children, and I will wreath you in flame. So the fact that he was willing to go like, I have a personal belief of nonviolence, but I have to defend these people so much that I am willing to ignore my belief system. And I was like, wow, Dragon Man really stepping up. Good job. Right up until the time he became an actual dragon and all of that went out the window. Well, you know, altered states and all. <laughs> See, I went with somebody who I think did a good job all the way around, and we already mentioned him once already, and that's Spidey. He protected the kids mm-hmm. as a number one priority. Well, we'll talk about that in another section, but yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. That's what I said. He he gave up the bad guys to protect the kids, and I thought that was a very good parenting moment on Peter's Park. Oh, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Especially for parenting, which is protecting your children, and he protected a whole room full of them. Exactly. That was a good choice. Let's talk about most popular and the most shunned. Identify the character who is the best and the worst in this series. We always start with the worst, and I'm going to do it again to you, man. I'm going to do it again, Ben. Really? Mm, okay. Roll me on that. What What did Ben do to make you feel that way? He had seemed to have much more interest in playing with his new powers than doing anything. He uh, ripped the head off of an uh, ex-wrestling partner of his and threw it through another guy that he's heard of. Okay. I'd like to go, go ahead and say that that's also... <laughs> possibly bad if you are ripping the heads off of somebody yeah also there's the aspect of he destroyed his blackbeard costume and that yeah that makes him totally bad i'm i'm 100 percent behind you on your choice of worst of the worst being ben all for that that's great that's not what i picked but i 100 percent see it i 100 percent approve and i almost want to change my answer (laughs) what do you have i'm gonna say reed just by default, not just by default, but also by he's unprepared 
for anything. He can't even handle, he can't handle a Doc Ock who he should be, no matter how many arms Doc Ock has, Reed should be able to go, oh, look, you have four, six, eight arms. I guess I'll just wrap you up. Yeah. And now I, I, now I have you in a pocket and I'll just go do other stuff. He was just perpetually surprised by everything. He didn't understand what was going on. He didn't, he wasn't aware of anything. In fact, even when Sue fired the untested experimental gun at the portal to make it shut down and it's going to explode. Here was, here was Reed's contribution. He goes, uh, careful, honey. Uh, that seems to be making that want to blow up and the kids are there. Yeah. He didn't do anything. He understands how strong Ben is. And when he's rock Ben, Rocky Reed, he's all like, Oh, the power that you wield, Ben, is amazing. And it's like, Yeah, you know this. He didn't do anything. He got gassed. He got pushed around. He didn't contribute anything. He, he just was. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm on board with you. I think that between Ben and, and Reed, I think we're splitting hairs at this point in time. I think that both of them just showed yeah. how bad they were in this issue and i think either one of them would fit let's talk about the best though i actually did go with sue she had some bad moments but mm. you know spider-man was doing the same in the kids she was actually leading the team she could have done a little bit more better job fighting but she was actually trying to solve the problems and she was adapting to her powers a little bit quicker than most of the guys so yeah she was just like I'm on fire. It's like my brother yeah. is here. Now I'm stretchy. Whatever. It's cool doing stuff. Yeah. Uh, I could see how you would pick that. I, j I had a lot of negatives with her in this issue as well, though. Sure. So. I, I can I can see. I can see. But when I was looking for a leader in this issue, there she was. Yeah. So. She, she was in charge. She was doing good. She was, she was being proactive. She was actually doing something. Spider-Man was doing his job. He was, he was holding his mm -hmm. own. He was doing the lion's share of the work. But I think that she was leading it, and, I, and I'm and i all for that. So okay. I think you're choosing Spider-Man, right? I am picking Spider-Man. You are very correct for uh, the reasons that we have said. I, yeah. I just thought, on the whole, he was doing pretty well. That's why. And he saved the kids, and he let his rogues gallery go, and he was like not understanding why the the fantastic trio were like telling him how good a job he did when he's like, no, I let the bad guys get away. And they're like, N so? You saved the day. You saved the kids. So one thing I do like about the story is that they, they really worked with the, how is Peter fitting into this group? What are the things that we're showing him, the things that we as a team value above a lot else? Mm -hmm. So that was something that's good with this story. How good of a story was it, though? Well, let me tell you, my dear friend, we need to look at our top grades to figure out where we want to rank this story with all the other issues where a member of Power Pack was in. Starting with the first one, then we've got Month of Morning, Fantastic Four of 588. Rolling on down to spot 16, where we have FF Volume 1, Number 1, The Club, Sadness Abounds as the Fantastic Four rebrand with the spider. Going on down a bit further to spot number 24, we've got War of Kings, Darkhawk number one. You remember, Darkhawk crystal acts up and ruins Chris's life. Like, that hasn't happened before. And, of <laughs> course, at the bottom, we still have Loners number three. Jeff, where are you feeling about this one here? Real quick. At spot 13 was the previous issue. Yes. Is this better or worse than that? I think this is a little worse. I liked the I setup agree. of the one prior to it. And I just, this is the ending. I think it ended fine. I think that, I don't know. I felt like it could have been better. I don't know. There's something missing about this one. I don't know what it was. I fully agree. So it, it's sub 13. Yeah. So beneath that, we've got Fantastic Four World Eater, where Sue's keeping the peace under the water and Galactus wants to eat a planet. I'm actually rolling down a bit farther down here. I'm looking, okay, uh, spot 22, we've got New Warriors, volume one, annual number one, to bounce or not to bounce. That's where Speedball does some dumb stuff. <laughs> that was a fun little issue. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> that was a fun little short. I think that this had the potential to have fun like that, and it squandered it. That's why I kind of want to drop yeah. it probably below there. I could see that, yeah, it could easily replace uh, Wolverine Volume 2, number 37, where Wolverine's bouncing through time. Look down a little bit further than that, even, and we go down to Ooh, really? Fantastic Four, where Frank, Leech, and Artie versus Arcade, the Impossible Man. Another one with some great premise that just 
was mm-hmm. not quite there. I think this is a, this is better than that one. I think it goes right above that. Okay. So you think that this is better than the final loners, or you yeah. think that the final loners one of Phil leaving the team and everybody gets mad at everybody is better than yeah, this one? Yeah, I, I think it's very similar, actually. There's the ending hmm. of an arc. I kind of wanted a bit more from it. I think there's a little more closure in that one. This one's like... Yeah, we're done. <laughs> hey, yeah. Well, I guess I nah. guess things are what they are. What answers we're left have been with answered? A lot of questions. Nah, nothing. I kind of want to put above that, but I I could be fine with that. It could take the uh, the new twenty. All right, let's do the twenty six then. Yeah, it's a little bit of a poor showing for this one. I just I kind of felt like there's some opportunities to do good, and it just didn't quite get there. I don't know why. It just it missed out on me. It did have kind of weird vibes that way. It really did. And I, I can understand it's a little hard to put in words. Oh, the everybody's powers are changing and their costumes are changing. And yeah, let's do something okay, cool with that. There's not really any weight to that. Yeah, do something neat with that. But no, it's just all giggly, giggly. Ben's all, look at me, I got stretchy arms. These, bu- these force bubbles sure are a hoot. And Reed was just a, a creature that happened to be there. Hmm, I seem to be disappearing. Oh, I am wreathed in rock. Sue was doing stuff, but yeah, just it was missing yeah. something, and I don't know what could have been done to make it better. I think what probably could have done to make it a little bit better was to give it a beer, specifically this beer that we're drinking right now, Highland Charge Heathen Brewing, wee heavy Scottish ale. How you doing with it, my friend? <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I emptied the rest of the can it's a not a tall boy but it's a little bit bigger than a 12 it's probably a 16 ounce it's tasty the strong alcohol flavors that i was getting they those have faded away I, i'm still getting that burnt caramel yeah that the cherry is the cherry's still there it's 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 subdued itself a bit more i still am enjoying it though i like it i kind of want to say that the cherry flavor that the black cherry flavor that you were getting was part of the alcohol miasma that was coming off of this. I kind of want to blend it into that because I I can collate those two scents together. Yeah. It's decent. It's good. I would drink it. I'm not sure if it's me or the beer, but I'm getting a headache. So I think it might be kind of a headache making beer. It tastes fairly decent. According to some of my coworkers, that headache that you're getting, that's from talking to me. That would explain the every two week headache that I get. Oh man! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now it, it's it's decent. I like it. Uh, it still smells nice. It still tastes pleasant. It has that burnt caramely flavor. It's good. It's not amazing. It's a good three five four bow on the side of kindness. I'll give it a four. I'm giving it a four too. I like this. I enjoy it. I would I would drink this again. I like the the heavy punch that it gives. I like the artwork on the can. The artwork on the can is really cool. And I'm a big fan of Highlander too. So, you know, mm, yeah. Yeah, same. Same, 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 same. Swords. Oh, and that was the other, oh, that was another thing why I picked, picked Spidey, just to back, flat back. Sword. Uh, at one point, he when they were fighting uh, Dragon Dragon Man, Spidey's all like, oh man, I hope my uh, reality comes in where I'm a paladin <laughs> with a plus two broadsword. I'm like, yay! Nerd stuff. I liked it, so... There, there's the magic sword that we were talking about on, on the can. Tied it in even better. <laughs> so yeah, a, a, a decent beer, a good four. I enjoyed it. I would definitely drink it again. And you know what else I would like to enjoy again? Kids' perspective. And that is where Rick and Carrie talk about the issue that we just covered. So Rick and Carrie, please take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Day. How are you today? Good, and you? I'm okay. I'm okay. We're talking about another amazing Spider-Man book. Are you ready? Yep. So we're finishing off this little first adventure that he's having with the Future Foundation, right? Yep. And what did you think about it? What do you think about how this story ended? It was good. <laughs> well, tell me what you thought about it. Tell me your thoughts. Tell me your feelings. I liked it. It was cool to see how different members of the Fantastic Four would like act with different powers. <laughs> Do you think that the comics spent enough time exploring how they got to act with their different powers? Not really, but it showed like a tiny bit of it. Okay. It's kind of a short comic. (laughs) Yeah, it was a short comic. Was that enough for you to really enjoy them with their other powers? Kind of. I kind of wish there was like more time though, like to see that. They did more with that? Yeah, because we see them now with their powers all the time, but... It'd be cool if it was different. If they could have really explored that alternate powers thing. Yep. What about 
the Sinister Six. What about their big plan? What do you understand with what happened with that? They distracted the Fantastic Four, or no, the Future Foundation, with the whole switching powers thing. Well, the switching powers, that was all coming from... The portal, this, this weird portal. Yeah. But while they were doing that, they snuck into the Baxter building? Mm-hmm. They just snuck in. <laughs> They snuck in and they were going to steal something, but we don't know what they stole, right? Yeah. Did you enjoy that? Did you like that little heist aspect? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it sounds like a lot of villains tend to do that, though, nowadays. Well, this book was written about ten years ago, but sure. Yeah, you know. (laughs) This book came out... Before I was born? No, this book came out about a year after you were born, so you were about a year old when this book came out. Do you remember this at all? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a big surprise. Like, I don't know how I could have forgotten. <laughs> it's not like I didn't, couldn't really remember what it was like being one years old at all. <laughs> it's not like I read it when I was one years old. But, you know. But you're reading it now. And yep. you liked the story. What were some of the parts that really stood out for you the most? Or what parts did you really enjoy? Like I mentioned before, the power switching, because that was mm-hmm. kind of cool. I also like Invisible Woman being cool. <laughs> you think Invisible Woman was one of the best in this issue? Well, I mean, besides Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man did some cool stuff. He saved the kids yeah. at the end, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. There was a scene with him and Carly at the end. Honestly... <laughs> it felt weird. It didn't make sense. Is honestly, right. I felt uncomfortable mostly because romance. <laughs> you know what? I'm not comfortable talking to you about romance stuff either right now. So we'll just go ahead and skip that part entirely. Okay? Nothing. Nothing happened at the end. He <laughs> saved the kids, and you got congratulated. That's it. That's it. That's all that happened. <laughs> Okay, that's fine. <laughs> is there anything else that really is interesting or that you'd like to talk about with this book? No, I think I don't think so. Well, then I will let you go. Thank you very much for reading the book and thank you very much for talking to me. Okay. I love you. Love you too. Hey, Carrie, you made it through the zombies and the pirates, things that you're not a big fan of. I know it's the zombie part, not the pirate part. Oh, I'm so glad that you joined us for that. Thank you so much. Shout out time. We like to thank those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. This, of course, is for episode 125, FF number one, The Club. Thank you very much, Andrew Burns. Charles Gears. Hoover Jeremiah and his podcast, Four Million Years Later. Jeremy Daw. Limax 7. Matthew Birdsey. Robert Nisazis. Tim Price, the Podcrasher, and his show, The Outcasters. Waffles and his podcast, Waffles and Mates Talk About Things. And he said, a few thoughts on the latest episode. First, great episode. Second, who the FF wouldn't want to meet Spider-Man? And third, don't the Inhumans live on the moon, which Reed knows, so why is he thinking of terraforming it? Keep up the great work, and thanks for keeping me company on my ride to work. You're welcome, and answer to your questions. Thank you, I don't know, and he's a jerk. Uh, we love you, Waffles. We would also like to thank those listeners that give us some money to do this thing we do every couple of weeks. And that would include adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging cheesy and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Intelligent, interesting, and innovative Isaac Perry. Jesting, joking, and jovial Jeff Polier. Just Jealous and Jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, Mighty, and Meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and Magnificent Monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Steely, Salty, and Steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and Sickeningly Silly Shag Matthews. Tyrannically Terrifying and Tame Tim Price. Way, Way Wordy and Wobbly Waffles. Weird and Wonderfully Wacky Wind. Next issue, we are going to cover Amazing Spider-Man number 661, The Substitute. Part 1. Be sure to check out my other show that I sometimes do, Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout, on the Longbox Crusade Podcast Network. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. 
Jeffenberg Presents is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of a transformed Optimus Prime in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeffenberg Present, our Facebook page, Jeffenberg Present, our email address, Jeffenberg Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, jeffenbergpresent.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is Jeffenberg Present. And... If you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we'll be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people at our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time. Costumes, costumes off. off. Our theme music is the 80s action by Kevin MacLeod. Also featured in this episode is Thunder Dreams by Kevin MacLeod. All music is found at incompetent.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Until next time, Lego Optimus Prime. Click. Wraps up the rubbery reader. I'm keeping that. <laughs> the rubbery reader. Click. Elastisoo stretches up to the panel since she is now holding the... Uh, take out rubber. Elastisoo. Okay. Yeah. Because that's the word I was having trouble with. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's, <laughs> but I, I was going for a Lord of the Flies thing here. So, oh, uh, okay. Click. That is my fan. I know. Okay, hold on for just a second. Hey, uh, you guys want to be louder? You could be louder. You could come down closer to the microphone and 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 do all the stuff you're doing. I, I know you sounded like you're having fun, which is great, but it, it's it's really awkward timing for it. Uh, that's not going to change anything. Okay. <laughs> Click. I like how you pan the camera over to Lego Optimus, and then now you brought Lego Optimus into camera. <laughs>